Father, we come before you. Just pray that you'd speak to us this morning, that you would have your way in the service, God, that it would be your words and your name that's glorified. So we just surrender this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we wrap up our, uh, our sermon series on an unchanging God in a changing world. And uh, our title this morning is Change Through Us, Change Through You. This is what we've learned so far. And, and before I say this, if you haven't uh, been here for these series, I want to encourage you to go to the website, or go to the app and listen to them. Um, I really believe God wants to speak to you um, through this. But this is what we've learned so far. Number one, that we serve an unchanging God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13.8 says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So we know that we serve this unchanging God, yet this unchanging God created a world that was constantly changing. And he placed us in it. And we experience change in every aspect, in every area of our lives. We experience change that happens to us. And just to list a few of these changes, changes that happen in our bodies. Pastor Rennie's experiencing that right now. <laughs> changes that happen with our children. We are watching our children go, grow. We are constantly having to adjust as they grow. Um, changes, and these are just some of the changes that we experience to us. Then we experience change around us. Some very natural things that God created. The environment, seasons change. Winter becomes fall. Day becomes night. There's high tide, there's low tide, there's hot, there's cold. And we experience all of these changes around us. Then we experience political change and cultural change and ethical change and moral change. And so in every aspect of our life, things are changing, aren't they? All over the place. Yet in this sea of change, God remains unchanged. God remains the same. It's like he is this lighthouse in the midst of stormy seas. And all of this change is by design. I mean, God created the world, and this unchanging God saw fit to say that I'm going to create this world in such a way that it's always going to be changing. And I'm going to create and put you in bodies that are constantly changing and in lives that are constantly changing. And so I'm going to place you, this unchanging God is going to place you in something that is constantly changing. I've said this over the last few weeks, but when I get dizzy or I feel like I might pass out or the world starts spinning, the first thing we do is reach for something solid to grab hold of. We don't reach for something on wheels with something that's like this music stand. We reach for something that's grounded and founded and solid that has foundation. It's not going to budge because when I feel dizzy and when I feel like I'm going to fall, I want something real that I can grab hold of because I can steady myself and find myself. And I am steadied, not because I am now steady in myself, but I'm steadied through what I grab hold of. And so in this changing stormy world that we live in, right? How many times does change unsettle us? A lot of times. 
A lot of times the anxiety that we go through and the stress that we feel comes from change that we experience. And then our world starts spinning. I suddenly get sick and now all of a sudden fear and I start worrying. And all of a sudden, man, what am I going to do? Well, here in the midst of this anxiety and fear and change and, and chaos in life, because I don't know about you, but with changing culture and changing worldview, everything is just crazy, Right? Like whatever, whatever is, is a constant today, whatever seems to have boundaries today, there are no boundaries tomorrow. I mean, we even get to the point where, hey, there are no female restrooms and there are no male restrooms. It's whatever you feel like you are for that day. That's where you go. Like even, even like everything's changing. That makes me nervous. So how do we respond? What I love about this is in this, unchanged, in this changing world, God stands as a constant. His word stands as a constant. And so, so God has placed us in this changing world. It's by design. Why would God want us to experience change? Why would God want us to see the changing of seasons, the changing of our bodies, the changing of our children? Is there a message in this? And I would say yes, there is. And I believe we see this message because the minute Jesus starts his public ministry, his verse, his very first message was on change. He said what? His first message was repent. What is repent? It's a turning. It's a changing from our sinful ways to follow him. His word says, he also said this, unless you change and become like little children, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And so Jesus' whole message to us, God sent his son to, to, to die on a cross, to live in this world. And the very first message God's son says to us as we are changing and living in a changing world is what? Change. Change. And so God has this, it's like this neon sign blinking at us, subliminal messages in your face, whatever, saying, you've got to change, you've got to change, you've got to change, because I love you so much, and unless you change, you will go to hell, and I don't want that to happen. The choice is yours, but I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to communicate to you from the things that you see in the world around you, to the lives that you live, to the message that you hear from the Son of God himself, you need to change. How you and I respond to that's crucial. So there's a message, and not surprisingly, that message is change. Change from our wicked ways, change from our sins, change from following ourselves and our own desires to following Him. And his heart. And it's at that moment, right, when we turn, when we grab a hold of God, it's at that moment where in this swimming world, because this, this is what happens to us, right? It, what, all this change is by design that, 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 that when we get overwhelmed, we will turn for, to grab a hold of something solid. And so when we are faced with confusing times and scary moments in our lives, and we turn and we find something solid in God, we grab hold of him and we steady ourselves in him. This is why so many of us do not find Christ until we hit massive brick walls. This is what happens. 
with these massive brick walls, our lives fall apart, our worlds are spinning, everything is, is, is crazy, and we go, man, I've got to find something solid, and it's there that God's hand is out, and we grab a hold of him and go, okay, here's something that's not moving, here's something that I can steady my chaotic life on, if I can just grab hold of this, if I can grab hold of him, and when we grab hold of him, he says, okay, now you need to turn from your ways, and we go, okay, at this point, I've done. I've been knocked back and forth in the stormy waves. I've tried everything my own way. It's not working. So God, yes, I will follow you. And it's at that moment that we turn from our sins and repent. We become changed, transformed. Everything is designed. All all the change we experience in our lives is designed to draw us, number one, to him. Number two, closer to him, to be more like him as we grow in him. So the minute we grab hold of that unchanging God, we become anchored in him. We become an extension of him. See, if, if someone's flailing around here, and this is anchored, and I grab a hold of this, right? Well, you see this. Here's an example of this. In a flooding river, if someone's being washed away, right, you don't just jump in there and go and save them, right? You might want to tie yourself first to something that's anchored, Right? That would make sense. Why? So you don't get washed away as well. When I tie myself to something that's anchored like a tree or a concrete structure, I know I am secure to that thing. And at that point, I am in a position now to reach out to that person, not because I have the strength in myself, because I am anchored to something that's not moving. And only at that point can I now reach out and rescue someone. So when we grab a hold of God, we become anchored to him. It's like we take that rope and we tie it around this unmoving structure amongst a sea of change. And it's then that we become this, 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 this agent of change for him to reach out and grab a hold of people who haven't found him yet. See, the problem is, is, is this. This is what happens way too many times in the Christian life. And in fact, actually, it's not even the Christian life, but we'll call it that. We become selfish in it. And, and, and once God changes us, it's like we slide into, in, into, into home or whatever. It's like, bam, I'm safe now. I've punched my ticket to heaven, and now I can cruise and we make being saved or changed simply about me. And now it's about me coming to church. It's about me singing songs. It's about me getting what I want to from church. And, 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 and then we start going, man, you know, you can tell if this is you if you're constantly criticizing whether you like how things are being performed or not, right? Like, if I'll go to church if they sing the music I like. Or I'll go to church if the, the message is always on target. I'll go to church if they have the right services for me. Right? Rather than thinking, man, how can I get in there and become part of the people serving? How can I get in there and start helping? All right? The problem is that too many Christians slide into this and they make being saved all about them. It's about me. It's about what I can get. It's about what I can receive. And if I'm not happy, I'm going to go somewhere else. And then we become these 40-year-old babies crying. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. And so that's the problem. Unfortunately, too many Christians do this. I want you to know that once you're changed, once you were roped to this unchanging God, that's not the end. Let me tell you this. If it was the end, he'd say, great, you're saved. Now die, and I'll take you to heaven. It's over. Game over. You won. It's not game over. Actually, he says, now we're ready to start. That 
minute you become changed and anchored, he says, great, this is my purpose to save you, that you'll grab hold of me now. It's like, you know what happens at that moment? The gun fires, the race begins. And he says, now go, 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 you're anchored. And if, if you want to take that little illustration of being, of being tied to a tree and there are people washing down the river and now you're anchored, he's like, you know what? No, you don't have time to have a picnic on the side of a river and while, while these people are washing away. By swim out there and start grabbing people and bringing them back. And he says, man, if you love me, don't you realize that I did that for you? If you love me, that's what you will start doing. No, I love you, God. I just, I'm just going to sit here for a while, though. I'm just going to sit here next to the river, eat my sandwich, look at the sunset. There's people washing by. Just go let him go. But I love you, God. We're close. He's like, man, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you loved me, you would understand what I'm about. If you loved me, you would do what I'm doing. He said, this, this is, and I don't know what this is, but it looks nothing like me. And this is a game. This looks more about you than anyone else. And so this is the, this is the problem that we have with Christianity right now is that Christians a lot of times look nothing like him. So too many times Christians look nothing like him. And then sometimes you wonder why Christianity is a bad name. Jesus doesn't have a bad name. We do. Right? So anyway, when you get saved, when you get initially changed, it's not the end. Man, it's the beginning. That's when the race starts, the gun is fired. To illustrate this to you, you can open your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, verses 14 through 18. Acts 26, 14 through 18. And uh, this is uh, on Saul's conversion. And I, and I like this that I chose this because like, you kind of... I feel like you can see it in a nutshell right here. So as you know, Saul, he is uh, on a course to capture and imprison um, as many Christians as he possibly can. And he's on the the, the Damascus Road uh, on his mission, on his path where he comes face to face with Jesus. and, and, And to put it in Paul's or Saul's words at the time, he sees a light brighter than the sun, and it knocks him off his horse. And, and not only he sees it, but the men around him see it. But then he hears this voice. And this is what he says in verse 14. Paul says this, We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In this passage, we get a picture of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. 
Here's what happens to him. I'm just going to put this in my own words. Paul is on his own path. He's on his own mission, his own purpose. And Paul is knocked down like so many of us when we first find Christ. He is knocked down. He is on the ground. He is blinded. And it's at that point that his course is changed. And it's changed immediately. He immediately ceases to be on a course and his own mission to now being led by Jesus. His, his route is altered. He has changed direction. He has changed course. And then Jesus makes it clear as to why. He did it because he wanted to save Saul. But then he says to him, this is why I am doing this, right? And we see this in, in verse 17. He says, because I am sending you to them. I have changed you. I've altered your course because I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. What he says in this is, now your race is beginning. You have been changed. You have been saved. You now know me. Now here's the reason why you are changed so that you may become an agent of change. You are changed so that others may be changed through you. Now we know we're not talking about his own power. No one can be changed by your power, but they can be changed through you by you pointing to who? To, to Jesus Christ. And so he says, I am sending them to you, right? Oh, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He says, man, I'm changing you so that people can be changed through you. So here we get this picture, right? He experiences this change to him. He experiences this change around him, and that leads to change within him. And as it leads to change within him, it leads to change through him. And so he is now, that's his entire mission. So now at that point forward, he says, now you exist for this reason, you exist for this reason, so that those, right, who are lost may have a place among those who are saved. He says, man, this is the, this is the goal. Take as many people with you. Take as many people with you. This by design, that those who are lost might have a place where you are. I want to see more people sitting where you're sitting, is in essence what Jesus is saying. The rest of Paul's life wasn't lived for Paul anymore, was it? No, the rest of his life was lived for God. I mean, Paul's words himself, it says, man, I'd much rather die and be in heaven. But I know God wants me down here because of what I'm supposed to do. He goes, so to die is game, but to live is Christ. And that's why I now exist. I now exist to be a representation of Christ. You know, God's desire for you and me, right, once we get saved, his, his real desire for us is, is, is it's not your careers. It really isn't. It's not for you to achieve all of your dreams and to run after all of these things. He wants you to live life and live it abundantly right? But it's to be lived in him. Once you find Christ, it's, it's no longer about you. When you make it about you, that's the way of the world. 
That's not the way of a Christian. So, so when you find Christ, your, the whole purpose is to like reroute you. Not that you find Christ and take him with you on the same course you were on. But to reroute you, yes, you're to have careers, and yes, God wants you to be successful, but you've got to understand what your purpose is in that path that he's put you. Your career and your work in that area, honestly, all that is is the area God has placed you to be a witness for him. And some of, that, some of it will make you wealthy, and some of it you won't have as much money. And really, it doesn't really matter. At the end, when you stand before God, Scripture tells us the only thing that's really going to matter, the only thing that's going to last is what you did for Christ. He's really not going to say, listen, how, how big a title did you get and how large was your salary? What he's going to say is, okay, yes, I put you in that, but did you hijack what I was doing? Did you take that path that I put you on, that I put you on, that you might be a witness to, to reach people who are lost in those areas, and did you lead them to me, or did you present the gospel to them? Were you faithful in the area that I placed you, or did you simply take that area that I placed you and actually make it about provision and all about you? You follow what I'm saying? It's not wrong to succeed. God wants you to succeed. But chiefly, he wants you to succeed at what he's, your, your true purpose. Your only purpose, the only reason you are here, you're the only reason why you are still here right now is because there are people that do not know him. And he says, man, I want you now to go out and find them. And I want you to rescue them. And I want you to be an extension of me. Here's the thing. Last week I put up this picture of this lighthouse, right? And there was this little guy standing in this lighthouse with these waves are crashing around him and his security was not in his own strength. His security was the fact that he stood in this unmoving lighthouse it's kind of a scary picture. I don't think I would be that brave to be out there. But he was like, he was secured to this lighthouse. And, and here's the thing. When you anchor yourself in Christ, when you find Christ, right, immediately in, an, in a world that's constantly changing and moving and flowing, when you cease to flow with the world, you're going to stick out, Right? Right? When you're not flowing with this thought and flowing with that thought and going now where this tide's taking you and going over, when you anchor to him, the minute you anchor to him, you stand out. And the minute you stand out, people go, what? That's different. That's weird. The minute you stand out, you become an extension of him. How many of you have seen God in person? Like you've seen him physically? Okay, good. I was going to feel like, okay, if you have, why don't you come up here and preach? All right? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him physically. I haven't seen him physically. Heard his voice? Whatever. So none of us can see God, right? And, And we're his kids, right? And we love him. So if we can't see him, what are the chances that the world can see him? Right? Probably not, right? So, so this is what, I wrote this down earlier. This is a verse I used last week. Ephesians 4.15 says this, that when we grow up in Christ, when we are rooted in him and when we mature in him, we become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. 
That is Christ. When we mature in Christ, we become in every respect the mature body of him. This is why Jesus says, listen, consider it pure joy when you go through these trials because it's going to give you perseverance. You become more like me. This is why we go through things as Christians because he wants to give us the opportunity to be like him. He wants to give the world an opportunity to see him just as those who actually saw Jesus give his life for them. Guess how the world sees God? Guess how the world sees God? They see Jesus when you walk through the doors. At least that's the plan. At least that's what Jesus said. That's the idea is this. Now, if they love me, they will, they will walk in my ways. If they love me, they'll, they'll obey me. If they love me, they will look like me. If they will love me, man, they mustn't be chief and, and too important. They must be servants. If they love me, they must lay down their lives for other people. If they love me, they must look like me. And so I am sending you out because you ought to look like me. And when you look like me, you will stand out. You will be different. Why? Because you won't be all about yourself. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus, the Son of God, wasn't about titles. He came to serve, and he came to save, and he said, now my people who love me, they must live like this. And when they live like this, guess what happens? This unchanging God that doesn't move suddenly becomes this physically in front of, of, of a world of, of, of sea of change in the world where people are being blown every which way. And all of a sudden, you stand out like God stands out. And here's what I know. I, I know this. I know that when there are hurting and lost people, and they are broken and they're struggling. When they see you, and they are not at peace in themselves, they see something that they may like and they may not like, but it gets their attention. But what I've learned is this. So many times, I, I've seen this. I've had it happen in my own life. People will be like lost and going around, and there'll be an interaction. All of a sudden, they'll see something. For some reason, they go, hold on a second. In the sea of change and confusion, that looks solid. I'm grabbing hold of it. I don't even know why. All I know is that looks real. And they give you credit for it, but it's not you. It's not me. What they see in you is this unchanging, secure lighthouse that's not moving. Why? They see you with a rope tied to something that's anchored and go, hold on, I am desperate. I don't even know why, but I just, I, just, I just feel like when I'm around you, I feel more secure. When I'm around you, I'm not, I just don't feel as lost anymore. And all I, all I know is that I want to be around you more. That's all I know. Now, when that happens, don't get a big head. Because it's really not about you. It just isn't. It means here, it means this. You're doing a great job at representing who God is. And that's awesome. And that's awesome. And it's at that moment when you say, hold on, let me tell you. And you don't do it right away. You build a friendship. As you build a friendship, you begin to point to him and say, let me tell you. I'm only secure because of who he is. I'm only secure because I'm grounded and holding on to him. People in this world are desperate for something that's real. The problem is they don't see it in a lot of Christians. The problem is that too many Christians aren't secure in him. They're more secure in the world. 
right? The problem is that too many Christians compromise, and when they compromise, they don't look any different in the world. So they don't stand out as solid. They're just being blown this way and blown that way. And so the only image that they get of God is going, well, that's a Christian, and oh, there he is over here. And now he's over here. And now he doesn't look any different. But if that's God, that's not anything secure that I need. He doesn't look any different than me. If that's God, how is that going to help me? What I need is something that's real. And I, listen, they're not afraid of what you stand for. They want to believe in what you stand They just want something solid to grab a hold of. So this wishy-washy Christian stuff doesn't work. It's not Christian. It's the world. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify not you, but your Father in heaven. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says this, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? Because that doesn't look like the world. Right? The world grumbles, disputes. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And when you do this, this is what it says, Then you will shine among them like stars In the sky, so you hold firmly to the word of life. It's not that God just wants you to shine for yourself. He wants you to shine as a beacon of light in a dark world that those who are lost will grab hold of. And when they grab hold of you, listen, it's not your job to save them. You can't. It's not on you. It's not on you. The choice is theirs. Choice is theirs. It's not on you. All you have to do is say, let me just tell you who I'm grounded in. And let me tell you that I'm not saved by my own power or or I'm not righteous in my own strengths. I'm righteous just because I'm grounded in him. And as messed up as you think you are, if you'll grab a hold of him, he will do for you what he did for me. doesn't matter how messed up you think you are. And here's the deal. As you stay grounded in him and tied to him and hang on him, some will hate you for it. And some will love you. Some will persecute you. And some will praise you. There will be some that do want to kill you. But others will find life through you. Jesus tells us that we will experience what he experienced. John 15, 18 through 20, he says this, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also.
Persecution is not fun. But can I tell you, we don't know what persecution is. We don't. Man, we haven't made. We haven't made in this country. Yeah, it's worse today than it was, you know, a few years ago. We don't know what persecution is. No, we don't. And they're not people barring us from coming in here. I'm not threatened with my life for walking out of here. But we let words. You know, it's that silly little, like, sticks and stones, right? Like, we let sticks and stones keep us from, from, from being an extension of Christ. Like, we, we let those things keep us. There are people that are singing, right? Singing praise to Jesus before they're beheaded. Like, that's happening in the world. Like, that's persecution. This is it. When you get saved, when you get changed, it's not the end. It's the beginning. At the beginning of the race, you are left with these simple guidelines for your life. The minute you were changed, this is what Jesus says to you. It's the same thing he said to his disciples. He says this, bam, you've got me. Bam, you've grabbed hold of my hand. Now here's the mission. Here's the goal. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you are now in me. That means it's transferred, right? That means that you have access to, right? Now, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. No, he didn't say, now go and chase your career. And while you're doing that, if you find a few minutes to point to me, I'd be grateful. That's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Guys, that is the purpose. That is the mission. That is why you breathe. That is why you have air in your lungs. That is why I breathe. And then he uses your skill set and your education and your abilities, and he puts you on different paths to accomplish his mission of making disciples. And sometimes we hijack it along the way. We make it about us. It becomes my church and my kingdom and about my numbers and my people and about how many people listen to me and how many people want, you know, and how it happens in church. It happens in our own lives. It happens in our careers. It happens. And this is why I say, man, I just pray that God will keep us focused. Just keep, keep me focused, God. And I'm, you know my prayers? My prayers have always been, God, don't ever let me hijack your church. I'll never let it become about someone's vision or mission. Let it always be about yours. And I know I'm probably the last person who should be up here. And that's real to me, guys. Like, it's real. I don't just say that. That's real. I go, God, why am I even up here? But I, I don't want to hijack his church. And here's the thing. You are his church. You are his temple. Don't you hijack his church either. You are his body. You are like the very mature. You are the image of God basically being sent out there. Not because of your own righteousness, because of his. And the world gets to see Christ when they see you. Hebrews 12.1 
says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, and let's finish this race. Man, let's finish this. Let's finish it. Let's just throw off everything, man. Again, I could do that whole illustration about how small your life is. You are here today and gone tomorrow. Like, don't trade eternity in for like this. And you have eternity to be with God. He says, for this portion of your life, run, run, stay focused. Don't get sidetracked by the enemy. Don't make it about you. Run this race. Run this race. Run it well. I'll take care of whatever you need. That is my promise to you. You run this race. Can I ask you some challenging questions? Just that you'd answer yourself. And and these, these aren't to beat you up. See, here's not the point. The point behind this isn't to make you go, man, I stink as a Christian. I'm out. I'm done. That's not the point. The point, that's not what God wants you to, to leave with this morning. What he wants you to leave with this morning is, okay, great, we have identified where you are. Now, today can be different. That's it. That's it. That's it. Will tomorrow be different? Because it can. It can, Right? Lori showed me a, a, a quote, um, it was on Facebook from, um, who was it, that lady? Lisa Bevere, and I think Raz put it up or something, and it says, man, Satan always brings up your past, not because he cares about your past, because he's, he's, he's afraid about, he's, he's worried about your future, all right? He's more afraid of your future, so if he could somehow stunt your future by bringing up your past and just destroy you, right? It goes along well with the devotion my dad wrote. If Satan can keep you in the past, so if you're struggling with the past, get that devotion, because God wants to set you free. But he wants to launch you. Don't worry about yesterday. Let's worry about tomorrow. Let's start with this afternoon. When, um, when people look at you, do they see you? When people look at you, when you walk into a room, do they, do they come into contact with, man, I've come in contact with someone. Do they come in contact with Christ? Do, do, you, do you stand out in the world? Or do you kind of blend in? Do you look any different? When's the last time someone came up to you and was like, is there something different about you? Has that happened? See, here's the thing. In order to stand out in the world, we have to be in the world to do it. If we're only with Christians, we'll never stand out. How, how much do we stand out? How much are we? Are, are we sitting on the side of the river with a rope tied to us, anchored in Christ, and we're letting those hurting and broken just wash by? See, at what point do you have time for a sandwich, right? At what point do you say, yeah, I'm kind of tired. I'll just let that one go by. Like We wouldn't do that, right? None of us would do that. Let me ask another question. If you were to survey your life as a Christian right now, right, just go back over, over your entire life. How many people have been changed through you? 
I don't mean by you. I mean through you. I mean just by you living for Christ, pointing to him. How many people have found Christ through you? If we go back just this week, did you represent Christ in your circumstances and in your life? Here's the coolest thing. When he said, gave us the Great Commission, he said, here's the thing. I'm sending you out, but before you go, you need to wait. Because I'm not trusting this into your hands alone. <laughs> you wait, and I'm going to go with you. And I must go so the Holy Spirit can come, and I'm going to empower you. And I'm going to empower you, and my Spirit's going to go with you. So it's not even going to be you. You just need to be that physical representation as the Holy Spirit empowers and works through you. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. And then when you go out, he empowers you. You just have to show up. You just have to say, God, just use me. That's it. That's it. I know I've said this, but if God can use me, guys, come on. Like, really, he can use you. He really, he really can. Would you stand on your feet? I want to I close with this story. It's a, it's a true story. It's actually happening um, I believe as we speak, uh, we were at a district uh, event this, um, a couple Thursdays ago, and we were just praying. And Pastor Bob, the district superintendent, said, hey, I'm, I'm going to have this missionary, this lady, come and speak to us soon. Um, her husband's dying of cancer. He's a Christian. And this is what he wants, and this is what he's doing. He said, I am going back into the Muslim world. And I want him to see how a Christian dies. I mean, he could ride that at any way he wanted. Well, I'm sick. I'm going to come back here. I'm going to nurse my wounds. He said, no, even in my trial, even in my difficulties here, I'm going to send a message about how a Christian dies. And he is being received by the Muslims. And they're being trans- transformed. They're watching his life. And they're blown away by this guy. And God is using that. So in your trials... I want to challenge you. Let your coworkers and let the people around you see how a Christian goes through a trial. In your sickness, let your coworkers see how a Christian goes through sickness. In a difficult situation in your job, where your boss is giving you a hard time, let your coworkers see and your boss see how a Christian handles that. Because in that, God will use you. Man, can you imagine what it looks like? We, here's the coolest thing. God has chosen you to be in the most unreached portion of the United States right now. It means that God has taken you, right? Whether you think you're qualified or not, if you're not, join a club, all right? He has taken you and goes, man, here's it. I believe in you, and I've given you skill sets that I'm not going to put you, I'm not knocking this out, but I'm not going to put you in the Bible belt. I'm going to put you where people need it the most right now. And I've put you here. I, I think of Jonathan. Now, he's a pastor. He's planted churches, and he's come from the calm. He's not pastoring here. You know what I know? I know his heart would love to be pastoring. You know what God says to Jonathan. I am putting you where I need you right now. Let me tell you, he's pastoring. This isn't, it's not about this. 
I'm putting you here in the most unreached area of this world, uh, of this country, that you might be a representation of me. Man, do it well. Do it well. What will happen if you do this? What will happen if we do this? I want to pray. I'll tell you this. We've put a new thing on the app. It's called the 1027 Challenge. We want to try and help you every week. The 1027 Challenge this week is this. Buy a coworker a cup of coffee. It's hard. But let God decide which coworker it is. Even if it's the one you dislike the most. And allow God to do what he wants to do with it. They may love you for it. They may hate for you for it. Let God decide. Ask God just to help you today. Don't get stuck on the whole picture. How will you live for Christ like today? How will you live for Christ just tomorrow? How will you do that? Just, that's it. Just day by day. God, let me represent you today. And when you mess it up, because you will, because you're like me, ask me to forgive you. Ask him to help you to do better tomorrow. And day by day, we can reach out in a hurting world and we can make a difference. He believes in you. He's empowered you. He's called you. He's placed you. Now go. Go and make disciples. Let's run our race well. Will Jesus be come before you this morning? We just thank you for your power. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't leave us alone in our sin, but God, you rescued us and you saved us, God. And we're so grateful. Lord, if you were to never do another thing for any of us again, God, you've done enough. You've done more than enough. God, I just pray that you would just open our hearts to hear what you're saying, God. God, open our hearts to lay our lives down, Lord God. Open our hearts, Lord God, to move beyond our comfort, to move beyond our security, God, God, and to reach out to those who are hurting. God, help us to endure the words of hate we might receive. Help us to stand firm in you, Lord God. Help us not to be wishy-washy and pushed to the side, God. And God, let it start today. God, would you bring people across our paths, Lord God? And would you help us just to, just, just to look like you, God? Even when no one's looking, Lord God, how we handle abuse and sickness, God. God, would you be glorified in our lives, God? And would you use our lives to bring people to you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.